0: Hi, guys, welcome to the Art of Acquisitions podcast. Here we discuss how you can create cash flow and grow your wealth with acquisitions. We have a great guest lineup, including Craig. Craig bought two businesses with 10 million in sales, no money down. And Alan. Alan has led multiple deals ranging in value from 1 million to 9 billion. Yes, that was right, 1 million to 9 billion. Art of Acquisitions, simply the fastest strategy to create cash flow and grow your wealth. And gentlemen what an absolute pleasure we have uh today we have the company of somebody called ryan dice uh, ryan has uh, started many a company uh he's bought many a business as well and done everything in between and he's really a master of traffic attraction conversation and conversion as well as business acquisitions as well so with no better person uh to have on the show the art of acquisitions than ryan dice so ryan welcome uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here buddy
1: yeah, it's great to great to be here. I enjoyed uh, getting to hang out in uh, in Del Mar, uh, I guess, a couple months ago, and so it's good to good yeah. to re uh, meet and re hang out uh, digitally.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I met Ryan at a, an event Ryan and Roland Frazier put on in uh, San Diego. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, some incredible information nuggets were taken away, but I was really uh, took the opportunity to ask him to come on the podcast because I knew he had some gems to share. And, and let's jump right in because we don't have long. So, first, um, and the first thing I want to ask you, Ryan, can you tell everybody about your first acquisition? It was actually a merger, and it was Emily. <laughs> it- yeah,
1: well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my very first. Uh, so, do you uh, do you want to, do you want to tell everybody this the actual story of uh, of how I met my wife? Yeah, Because I mean, it, is, it is semi-relevant,
0: right? It is very relevant. Yeah. This, this is all like, you know, when you get back against the law, you have to create income, you have to create profit. And you actually did that way back in 1999 with your first site. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tell the story I met, uh, I was in college and I met this girl and I knew within a couple of weeks, she was probably the woman I was going to marry. Uh, I knew enough to know not to mention that to her, because that would probably scare her off. A little bit creepy. Um, but you know, I mean it's one of those things, right? I guess when you know, you know, and I knew. And uh, I also knew I was poor uh and I knew that diamonds were expensive. And so even though again, we've literally been dating for a couple of weeks, um, it it was kind of that first thing that triggered in my mind of I need to figure out how to make some money. And uh I I had a job, you know, my job was just enough to cover tuition and food. Um, but I knew if I was gonna make anything over and above that, I was gonna have to choose an entrepreneurial path. Um, and, and so that was what I did. I launched my very first business for my uh, college dorm room in the hopes of making enough money to buy a diamond engagement ring. One day, a couple of years later, I did indeed uh, buy the ring, pop the question, and, uh, you know, 20 or, you know, 21 years since uh, the yeah. pop in the question, uh, still married, same and, woman, four kids, and life is good.
0: Absolutely. Who would have known that would have led to from their first merger to many acquisitions down the road? My goodness. And then um, it's really interesting uh, that I've, I've been following you for a while and, you know, being on some of your webinars are absolutely fantastic. But one in particular that really hit home about keeping things simple. And it's a great story as well. And it's the napkin story. I absolutely love it. And it's when, uh, obviously, you, you, you created your first few businesses, you were successful, you got to a certain point, and then you started to overcomplicate things. And this is a real lesson for anybody in business. Because I'm I, I getting the feeling that you're kind of engineering or something like that background, mathematical led, numbers led kind of thing. Um, but you started to overcomplicate and it culminates in a great story of how you uh, imagineered a new process, a simplification of your own business. So tell us about that because I think it's an awesome story.
1: Yeah, so funny enough, I'm not an engineer or mathematical background. I'm actually a communications. Background, and that was only because I couldn't get into business school, uh, and that was only because I made a a C in ancient Greek, which is a completely different story. And so, most of my work has actually been more on kind of a, uh, the the writing and the you know the the psychology and and that side. But what I'll tell you is, I've always been passionate about systems, and I think had I had a bit more confidence on the math front, um, I might have pursued engineering because I do love. Uh, Systems and because I'm a systems person, and because I can get pretty detail oriented, I can also overcomplicate things. And I'm guessing, you know, when it comes to your listeners, I'm not alone in that, right? Those of us who love systems and we love to kind of, you know, noodle around the edges a little bit, uh, we can sometimes overcomplicate things. And yeah, I mean, going back to 2006, that's exactly what happened. So I told the story of how I started my business, right, and why I started it. Fast forward a few years later, and those little websites that I started to buy an engagement ring for a girl. Uh, it ballooned into a real business, a real publishing business. And funny enough, many of my earliest businesses were acquisitions. I actually had, um, and because most of what I did was digital publishing, this was back before Kindle or anything else. And so I would find people who had little eBooks and reports and uh, little, you know, online video content. This was pre YouTube, before all this stuff. And I would go to them and I would say, "Can I buy your website?" And so I was buying websites for five hundred dollars a thousand dollars, wow, gating the content, so locking down the content and putting it behind a paywall, like on PayPal or something, driving traffic to it, and and you know instantly turning it into profit. And so I've always been in the acquisitions game because I've always been. Um, I don't know if it's lazy or efficient. I'll let you decide. Uh, but I never wanted to have to create a bunch of stuff from scratch. And so, yeah. So in because of the acquisitions, because of how quickly. The business scaled uh, we literally had over two i say we it was me it was just me at the time had over 200 web properties wow. all generating some of them might generate you know 10 20 a day some might generate 100 200 a day a couple of them even better right and so yeah,
0: passively bringing in income independent of one another
1: yeah. I'd love to pretend like it was passive. Uh, I mean, I was, I was, I was running gun and like running different, you know, buying ads and trying to get things to optimize for search. Back then, it, it was mostly optimizing for the search engines. And then one day, Google changed their algorithm, mm-hmm. right? Google changed their algorithm, and so I had to find a new way because nearly overnight, a lot of my sites were deindexed. Um, they they no longer were what Google wanted, Google wanted people to put content out there and and not have the content behind paywalls, right? And so a lot of my stuff went away and uh, I had to figure out how to make it work. And so I just started flailing and I started throwing everything against the wall to try to figure out how to make this business work. And that started around 2004 and by 2006 I was a quarter million dollars in debt. I had sort of figured it out. Like I had turned the business around. It was profitable again, but I'm sitting on a quarter million dollars in debt. I'm not sure how or when I'm going to pay it off. And I still didn't know how the business worked. I was working harder than ever, flailing around. um, And and yeah, I was sitting at a bar uh, at the Hilton Anatole in Dallas, Texas. I was in Dallas, Texas, um, and uh, sitting at a bar by myself, feeling sorry for myself. And I remember in that moment, um, just idea popped into my head, a conversation I had with a friend a uh, year before. And you know, we talked about how so many of the best businesses, so many of the best ideas were written down on the back of a napkin. And I don't know why that conversation popped into my head, but it did. And in that moment, I saw a stack of cocktail napkins sitting in front of me. So I grabbed a napkin off the top and I put uh, borrowed a pen from the bartender and I made myself a deal. I said, I'm going to figure out how this business works. And I'm only going to use this napkin to do it. And if I can do that, if I can map how this business works on this napkin, then I'm going to work this napkin plan and do only that and if I can't then I'm probably gonna to have to file bankruptcy and ask for my old
0: job back and what, uh what was the single biggest thing that you changed after the napkin so you you, you got 200 assets out there you're working crazy spinning the plates the ink created the napkin thing which is a simplification what was the one biggest thing was it the the self-liquidating offer was it the front end kind of thing
1: it was just yeah I mean so the, the napkin mapped what I would now call a growth engine uh, what, what fancy business people call a business process map, right? So if you know anything about like Six Sigma or like, you know, there's all, you can hire consultants c- to come in and do really intense business process mapping uh, for your business. But the biggest thing was not any of the stages because, yeah, all I did was I said the way this works is I drive traffic into a landing page where I collect, um, get somebody's email. I then make a low ticket self-liquidating offer, that that should offset the ad costs. And then I make an upsell and another one. If that doesn't work, I put them in a follow-up. It's, this, it, it's now what we would just call a funnel. I mean, it's about as marketing one-on-one as it gets. The magic, though, to answer your question, was in I finally had a visual representation of how customers happened, right? right? And the fact that I could look at it and say, ah, oh, there it is, I could now go back and reevaluate my business and say, what are the properties I have that follow this plan? And what are the ones that I have that don't? And invariably, the ones that I had that were following a different plan, doing something else, they were also losing money. They were also overcomplicated. So I shut down. I went from about 200 properties down to less than 10. I think I had eight or nine. Wow. And I chose to focus on just the you know eight or nine properties that were following that simple plan that were profitable and that I believed could optimize. And it was in that focus. That, that it, it works that's
0: Incredible though, to you know to have that simplification but to have the cojones to actually do it you know when you actually get into it you think okay what's the Pareto principle of the ones making the profit and let's start with them and optimizing that through your new i suppose uh glasses of customer journey i mean that's really what it was wasn't it? your customer journey where did my leaky bucket each stage kind of thing uh, and fix that. Leaky yeah,
1: it, it definitely was the, the earliest version of the customer journey, but I'll tell you, I mean, you're giving me more credit than I deserve. I was broke. I had no choice, right? And so arguably, I should have figured this out years ago, years before, before I got a quarter million dollars in consumer debt, right? And, and so truly, I had no choice. I had to cut off something. I had to cut off the ones that were losing money. Um, it, it had to happen. I had no choice. And so sometimes there's, there is magic uh, to getting uh, pushed back up against the wall and you got nowhere to go but forward. And it sucks, uh, but there are times like those I look back on, I wouldn't trade them for anything.
0: If you're a business owner, professional, or SaaS pension trustee, and you wanna stop the inflation erosion of your capital, you wanna create cash flow and grow your time capital, but you just don't have the time. Do you want the baby without the labor pains? Then if you qualify, you may be able to invest with us. If that's you, pop along to taylorcapital.co.uk we do the deals so you don't have to. It's kind of like the Netflix of investing. You know, in terms of taking that forward, then, honestly, you're buying assets. You had to work at those assets. But at some point, you morph that into acquisitions of businesses that are already profitable, which is pretty cool. And when did that kind of start? You know,
1: yeah, I mean, to, to a certain extent, it was always an aspect of what I did, right? Um, so the whole reason I'm, I'm known. Primarily out there in the world, to, to whatever extent I'm internet famous, and it's pretty minimal. But to whatever extent that anybody knows my name or who I am, it's it's through digital marketer or traffic and conversion summit. So I'm known as a marketer. What's funny is I learned marketing so that I could market the businesses that I generally acquired. Because again, when I got started, I had no skills. I didn't know anything. My only choice was acquisition. I acquired um, a website on how to make your own sushi right? I didn't so much acquire, I mean, I, I sort of did, but a, an ebook on how to make your own baby food. Those were my two very first products. I didn't create either of them. And so again, and a lot of it came out of need. I, I don't know how to do any of this stuff and therefore I must acquire it. But it got serious. Um, the, the actual, oh, maybe acquisition is a thing and let's look at acquiring you know, real businesses that are, that are already profitable. That actually came about by accident. Um, I didn't, I wish I could say I was super strategic. Um, now my business partner, you know, Roland Frazier, who, you know, I mean, he teaches like we have a whole business. You've gone through our stuff on how to do, you know, Epic investing, Absolutely. right? I didn't know any of this stuff back then. I didn't know any of this stuff back then. I'll tell you the story of my first quote unquote real acquisition. You want to hear it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dying to, but just before you jump into that, you just said something there that was phenomenal for everybody listening out there in the world that don't think they have any credentials, that they haven't built a business, doing to start a business. Roland's just gonna let you off the hook. He says, my only choice was acquisition because he didn't know the other way. So maybe it's your only choice as well. And if we can both do it, surely you can give it a go, have a try. But I would say before you do, perhaps join the Epic program or the, uh, the consulting for equity program, that uh, ryan dice and uh, roland fraser actually put on and more about that later at the end maybe you could tell people at the end after this well not after this story but at the end how they can get in touch with you where do you find out about more about that
1: yeah um i mean so get if somebody wants to sign up for the next uh challenge then and that's all about identifying at least five acquisition targets and again my business partner roland fraser he's the he's the brains he's the mastermind he's done over I've got hundreds of acquisitions at this point, I'm privileged to have him as a business partner and as a friend. Um, what I did, and again, that's getepicchallenge.com. So thanks for the opportunity to kind of mention that, Dan. Um, and and I would, I mean, I think it's $55 to join the challenge. And I, it is what Roland does in five days. It is it is a course that other people would sell for 2000 bucks. I mean, it really isn't a,
0: a, a um, so, I, would, I would urge anyone just to go there. Get epicchallenge.com, 55 bucks, best 55 bucks you'll ever spend, best fun you'll ever have with your clothes on. <laughs> and really it's fun because it's live, it's interactive, it's great.
1: So anyway, enough of that. The um the what so Roland, I, I didn't know that this whole concept of what's now called micro MA, you know. Website flipping. There's now this whole ecosystem. Um, when I get started, when I got started, I didn't I didn't know about any of that stuff. Uh, I I knew that I didn't know how to make it, so I needed to acquire it. It was my only option. Um, and then my first real ac- acquisition was a complete accident. And um, I, I simply uh, like anybody should right. If a lot of people say, "How do I find businesses to buy?" Hang out with business owners. Like that's kind of rule number one. Hang out with business owners. So I was in a mastermind. Right? I, I was in a mastermind group, had been in this group for, you know, for a number of years. And if you don't know what a mastermind is, it's simply where you know, business owners, peers get together and they um, share what's not working and they get help from the people in the mastermind and they share what is working. And so it's this general brain trust, you know, idea sharing, get together three or four times a year. So I'd been in this mastermind for years and there was this one guy uh, in there who was a big real estate guy, very successful real estate developer, but he had this little side business that was kind of in the survival and preparedness space. Now this was long before there were TV shows about survival stuff or anything like that. He was just an enthusiast, right? He was an enthusiast. He was passionate about it. You know, he loved going out in the woods and living off the land. That's not me. All right. For me, a four-star hotel is roughing it. Okay. So I know, I don't like camping. I don't like out the, uh, there's mosquitoes and it's hot. I'm not an outdoors person. So let me just say that at the outset. Right. <laughs> But he had this business that he'd start on the site. And every time we'd get together, he's complaining about it. He's like, ah, I got this business and customers, and I don't really have time. Blah, blah, blah. And he just kept complaining. And finally, I remember saying, I'll, I'll, we'll say his name is, uh, is, is uh, Mark uh, to protect the innocent, not actually his name. But I was like, all right, Mark, you're always complaining about this thing. If it sucks that much, but it's you know, profitable, I want you to sell it to me. And I literally was joking when I said it. Why don't you just sell it to me? And he went, Well, if you want to buy it, let's talk at lunch. And sure enough, we got talking at lunch and he was dead serious. Now I'll tell you that how we did the deal, um, how I structured the deal. Cause again, that was kind of accidental as well. But it was exactly what one of the strategies that Roland teaches. So one of the ways that Roland and I got to be friends, he was he was in a mastermind that we did later and we were talking, I was talking about how you can acquire companies. And Roland was telling me all history. I just I'm like, Oh God, I'm you know, I don't know anything compared to this guy. So I'll tell you how I structured the deal. But the lesson that I want everybody to hear is, if you want to do acquisitions, hang out with business owners, and regularly make it known that you're buying companies, they, they won't all you won't always get somebody to say right there in that exact moment, okay, then me, you know, let's let's grab lunch and talk about it. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. What I am saying is, if you put yourself in the path of opportunity, which I had done for years, and you make it known, hey, I'm looking at buying businesses. You, you tell somebody who has a business that you like, oh, I love your business. If you're ever interested in selling, will you let me know? I love your business. That's one of the highest compliments you can pay an entrepreneur. There's zero risk in telling somebody that, yeah. right? And so that's kind of the, the first thing I'll, I'll tell you. But uh, you know, it, do you want me to, to talk about the, the deal structure or any, anything else on, the, on that side before I... No, deal structure. Take would, over the conversation. Would,
0: deal structure would be absolutely awesome because deal structure to me is the creative part of deal doing. You know, how you uh, structure every single part of it. We'll come on to another thing I'd really like to talk about, which is an exit you did, which is really strategic and really, uh, you got the structure down absolutely phenomenal. So let's come on to that in a But tell us about this deal structure because it sounds real cool.
1: Yeah. And, and I was really proud of myself because I'll tell you, um, I'm not a good negotiator. I'm not. Roland is a phenomenal negotiator. I don't like conflict. And so like, I've never ne- bought a lot of cars in my life. I've never once negotiated. Somebody's I mean, like, here's the price. I'm like, great, perfect. I, I'm like, just the worst person to buy from. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm the best person to buy to, you know, to, for me to come into your place. But like, I'm a bad negotiator. So I'll leave with that. Um, so I asked, I was like, okay, you're serious about selling? He's like, yeah, I'm serious about selling. It's like, how much? And I don't remember the amount, but it was an amount that was like, well, I've never, I, I don't have that much money. Right. And I knew I didn't have, I was like, man, I, I I don't have that much money. I was like, what do you need? Like, what do you really like? What's an amount that, you know, that for you would, you know, take, take care of something like, honestly, I wish I could just make what I'm making right now, but not have to do a lot of the work. And at the time that business was generating about $30,000 a month in free cash flow. Right. It was, it was making about, you know, 400, you know, 350 to $400,000 a year is where it was. Is pretty much kind of where it was at that time in terms of EBITDA um, or SDE.
0: Yeah, so what did he need now? What did he need down the road?
1: So at the time, he didn't really need anything, right? And so I was like, what do you really need? He's like, really, I wish I was just making about 30 grand a month. Because if I was making 30 grand a month from that, totally passively, and I had almost, then I'd, I'd be good. And I went, cool. What if, you know, I don't, and again, I was like, what if we do your price, but I just pay you out in 30 grand a month? And I think it wound up being like a five year, five or six year note. I basically did a five or six year seller finance thing.
0: I I, to, literally interest free. Yeah. So, it, it really, the money or the existing profits already coming in, and you just give it to them. And yep. you, you did the work. And obviously, you know how to scale the journey, optimize, and all the rest of it, which he.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, fast forward a couple of years, and that business is doing $30 million a year. Right. And so I went back to him at one point and I said, Hey, I know I stole you this much. Would you take um, you know, a 20% uh discount if I just paid you up front?
0: Yeah, full and final. So zero money down, zero interest, five year loan, yeah, uh, or repayment of that principal. And and then you got a 20% discount where you get a, a full and final at some point. Yeah yeah
1: and what's not he was happy with it right even after the fact you know when it when it blew up he's like yeah i'm glad you did i'm glad i'm glad you made good money off of that thing and because he got to move on for something else it was a distraction for him he was happy to just make 30 grand a month and not do anything and who wouldn't be and i was happy to have an asset that effectively paid for itself and who
0: wouldn't be so these deals are out there no money out of pocket no money down no interest that pays for itself and a lot you know Tell me this one thing. Would you recommend anybody start a business from scratch or buying an asset and sweat the asset like you just done there? It's a hell of a lot easier to run the ten, last 10 yards of a marathon than run the whole marathon. Never mind the preparation, the blood, sweat, and years along the way. You know? Yeah. I think the only
1: reason you would want to start a business is if you just have, there's a, you, there's a burn inside of you, a calling almost to produce something in particular. Right. So if you, you just have this idea for this product or this service that you believe needs to exist, and, and, and it's, it, you feel called, I, I truly believe it's a calling. Right. That kind of entrepreneurship is a calling. And so if you just can't get that out of your head, then fine, um, start a business. But as somebody who has started a lot of companies, somebody who's acquired a lot of companies, anytime we're going to go into a new market, our very first thing is always, can we just buy our way into it? Yeah. It's always the first thing you want to do because starting businesses is hard and it's risky. Yeah. People think acquisitions are risky. Nuh-uh. No, they're not. Starting a business is risky.
0: So. Absolutely, very risky. And that's what the big boys do. They come into market. They, they want geogra- geographic and a critical mass day one, so they want to start buying up. Yeah. Um, there's, what, there's one uh, company where we are started buying up all the HVACs, and now guess what? The price has gone up like 35%. (laughs) They've got a monopoly, you know, despite all trading independently, they are a group. Um, But anyway, coming on to this, because we don't have much time left, and I really appreciate your time, buddy. Um, Everybody that gets, you know, that wants to get into business, obviously, we've established rule number one, hang around with uh, business owners, rule number two, buy something that's already got cash flow, number three, obviously, no money out of pocket, (laughs) and it doesn't cost you anything. So you've got critical mass day one. But, Obviously, an entrepreneur's dream is to exit. And you exited digital marketer in spectacular fashion or traffic. In- well, Sorry. Um, yeah.
1: The beautiful thing is, I didn't exit digital marketer. Exactly. So the, and then- we exited an asset of digital marketer.
0: And yes. And that was the thing of beauty. The way you structured that business, digital marketer, you split it up into silos. Can you explain to the guys, because this is really relevant um, in terms of doing acquisitions? You know, if you've got a a holding company subsidiaries, then perhaps all the assets should be in each subsidiary. Perhaps they should be in different ones. If you could maybe tell the story of that, then they'll get a picture of how to structure things to silo, to create moats, to create asset protection, and all those kind of cool things.
1: Sure. I mean, so most businesses are actually a collection of businesses, right? In the case of Digital Marketer, you know, Digital Marketer was, uh, was a media company. Right. So we had uh, we have blog podcasts that monetize through advertising and they monetize through premium content subscriptions. No different than any traditional magazine or, you know, kind of traditional B2B site. So it was a media company, uh, but it was also a software company. So we had a software component to it as well. And it was an events business. Now, you could look at all of those different uh, programs. uh You know, verticals, brands, whatever, as just different business units, or you could truly see them as separate companies. We chose to structure them all as separate companies because what we knew is that they were each independently valuable to different buyers. So there are companies out there that just buy software, there are companies out there that just buy, you know, media publishing, there are companies out there that just buy events. Right. And if you try to sell, and we learned this because we had had some people who came to us and talked about acquiring digital marketer, but they really highly valued the area they knew. So if they had the media publishing background, they were going to value that one less so the software and didn't want to have anything to do with the event. You know, the software company didn't see any value in any of the other stuff. Right. So we said, fine, we're going to break them up. This is called um, Roland and I coined the term the goose and eggs strategy because the idea is sell the eggs, not the goose. Right, and so the central holding company uh, for us, the media, the talent, a lot of the IP—that's the goose. These different underlying operating entities, of which Traffic and Conversion Summit was one of them, different company that could be sold off separately, and that's exactly what we did. We had uh, a there was a very large uh, company, Clarion, uh, which is one I think the second largest event management company in the world, based out of the UK. Uh, wow. They had acquired another business in our space. And when I heard about that, I reached out to the seller of that business and I said, Hey, you know, if they're looking at acquiring any more. Sure enough, they were. And so we were able to
0: start a deal. The amazing thing about that is when you're only giving them what they want and you're not giving what they don't want, they're prepared to pay a higher multiple on what they do want because you're extracting all the stuff that's of no use to them, which is a thing of beauty. Because then you can get well,
1: it yeah, it's a higher multiple. It's a simpler deal. But the other thing is now. Cause they did come along and they said, well, it seems like digital marketer would be a really good, like we should have, we should do something with that too. And it was like, fine, we can have that conversation. Um, but it's its own business. Here's what it does. You know, digital marketer, by the way, um, was a paid sponsor of, uh, you know, at traffic and conversion summit, it paid for the booth. So it was a vendor. It also had an event management company. So it was services company That separately from digital marketer had a contract with traffic and conversion summit that locked it in for two years. So all these things being different because they were separate companies, we can say we can have that conversation, but it is a separate conversation, you know, different acquisition under different terms. Maybe we should talk about that later. Had we not had it separate, I can almost guarantee you that they would have either wanted to buy the event and just have us throw digital marketer in for free, uh, which had we done that, that would have been, Disastrous uh, from a deal perspective. I mean, we'd been fine, but it would have really been a bad deal for us. Um, Or it would have mucked up the deal and it probably never would have happened, right? Because just breaking all that apart. And so structuring your business, realizing where are the pockets of value. And um, I wouldn't, you don't have to do it day one. But when you feel like, you know, when you get a business that's getting up into sellable type levels, um, business as a whole is certainly north of you know ten million. Start to think about it. If you're doing like five million a year, yeah. your, institutional investors are going to start looking at you. Now it might make sense to start breaking it up into its component parts.
0: And for traditional uh, leverage buyouts and those kind of deals as well, it's really important to still do the same thing. And why is that? Because at some point you do want to exit. None of us wants to go out in a wooden box. We want to exit and enjoy ourselves. And the way to do that is exactly what Ryan's saying here by separating things. So you could have assets, equipment, fixtures, of things that are separated in different vehicle Why? So that when somebody buys the actual business or the trading business and they don't quite have enough money, guess what? You've got a funded part of the deal over here and you can set up the leasing company that's got a 10, 15 year stream of income leasing the equipment to the 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 chap is going to buy and without that part of the jigsaw you may not have able you know to be able to buy it so it's a kind of thing where you're setting up the structure at the beginning for the exit kind of thing i like to help people out of things by doing those kind of things and put on to i know we're very cognizant we're kind of we're there just about out of time but tell me about the vision for going forward because you guys are acquiring things like they're going out of fashion um which is um but it's a phenomenal to witness watch and be part of the internet kind of thing um but what is the vision for you and roland going forward and the, the you know the enlarged group kind of thing because last time i talked to you you had like 38 holding companies and each holding companies were buying companies so that's a phenomenal rate of scale um so what's the, what's really the vision for ryan going forward in the future
1: so what we're building at our, at our parent company now, so our, our overarching holding company is called the Scalable Company. Um, and the Scalable Company is a B2B media publishing group, right? And so Epic Network is in there, Digital Marketer is in there, Scalable.co is in there. And what we want to do is we want to create an ecosystem that small business owners can plug into, that entrepreneurs can plug into. Uh, to to grow and scale and optimize and maybe even exit their business, whether that's through learning more about marketing or sales or leadership, whatever we want to be that kind of one-stop shop, that ecosystem, um, because well, I mean that that in and of itself is a very profitable operating business, but what it also is is it's deal flow for acquisitions, because I, I I I firmly believe that the biggest opportunity today. Um, is not in the stock market, it's not in crypto, it's not really even in real estate. I think the biggest opportunity today is in acquiring entrepreneurial companies that are stuck in that messy middle, that kind of 2 to $10 million range where they're too big to be small, too small to be big. They're starting to feel the pain, um, just like my buddy was, right? Who's was like, I'm just sick of this thing. They're feeling the pain, but they're not yet at that point, either through a lack of professionalization, systemization, structure, contacts. They're not at that point where they can sell to the traditional institutions. And and so for us, we would like to obviously do uh, deals with these types of business owners, keep them in, keep them around, keep them in the family, ideally keep them operating uh, so that we let them maybe take some chips off the table or we come alongside them and we work with them to grow them to that next level so they are exit ready. And then we can participate um, on on the exit. And so that really is... You know, you could call it micro MA, uh, you could call it value driven, you know, private equity. There's a lot of different terms for it, but that's all I want to do because I love entrepreneurs, deal, deal. love working with businesses.
0: It's like the roll up of roll ups, you know, vertical or uh, I suppose sector agnostic. You could be any, in any vertical uh, as long as B2B. The, the, the vertical is B2B and that's it. So any acquisition that comes along. So if, you have a, if you're look, listening to this and you have, business that and you're in that messy middle then perhaps ryan is somebody you want to be reaching out to because there could be i smell a partnership in the air here um where perhaps you're great at running but perhaps Ryan's systems operating procedures sops built or baked into your company might give it the fuel it's required to really get it to that next level and having a smaller piece of something bigger uh, is certainly a lot better than having all of something smaller like the, the chat that he just talked about, three to 30 million, you know, that's that's some serious scale. So if you want to potentially have a bite of that cherry, that apple, yeah. I would get in touch with Ryan and uh, where can they find you, Ryan?
1: Yeah, scalable.co. So scalable uh, co. and that's S-C-A-L-A-B-L-E. Scalable.co uh, is the site, and I'm Ryan at scalable.co. So definitely you can hit me up. Um, Check out our site and um, whether you're an entrepreneur looking to, uh, you know, to exit uh, sometime soon and you want to get a little bigger before you do that. You know, our thing is, look, if we can help you through the, through the, you know, the training, the accelerators, the work, you know, our coaching programs, things like that, and we never do business together, you know, beyond that, that's fine, right? That That's great. There's so many amazing businesses out there. We're not trying to, um, you know, we're not trying to get them all. But our, our model is basically, we're going to teach you, tell you everything that we know, and we're going to let you learn that for not a whole lot of money. And if you like it and you like working with us, then, then maybe that's going to give us an opportunity to work together. So that's, that's kind of our model. And yeah, we would love to, yeah, would love so,
0: to meet some new friends. If you want to grow scale, Ryan at scalable.co. So that's Ryan at scalable.co. If you want to learn how to do this yourself in terms of acquisitions, um, gettheepicchallenge.com So that's get the epic challenge.com and Ryan at scale.co. Don't worry, we'll put everything below. But um I wouldn't waste uh, you know I wouldn't waste any time. Ryan's getting busier and busier. I've seen the amount of deals these guys do. I'm in mean, one of their WhatsApp groups and it's a little bit it's a little bit crazy to say the least. So in any with Ryan it's been an absolute pleasure buddy. You know really really enjoyed the conversation and, and that's what this is all about having chats while we're hopefully giving some people some valuable nuggets to then to the next step or over the bridge to where they want to get to so really appreciate your help thanks very much and uh awesome keep rocking it we'll see you soon